everybody. Welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. We're coming to you live from the 16th annual SF Sketchfest, presented by Audible. How are you guys doing? All right, I'm not going to waste too much time tonight, because uh, we all know why we're here. We're not here to talk to me and Kyle. No. Although this is Kyle. Come on, give it up for Kyle. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. Kyle's going to be dropping the digital needle on some of the greatest songs of the past 35 years. We all know them. We all love them. We've all sang to them. We've laughed to them. We can't believe how good our guest is tonight. Last year, our guest was Sammy Hagar. Yeah. But this year, I said, you know what? I'd like someone that, you know, rocks. So when they told me we could get our guest tonight, I said, 100%, absolutely. Let me tell you about this guy real quick. 14 studio albums, 46 singles, 54 music videos, uh, upwards of 10 million in album sales, four Grammy Awards, including Best Comedy Album for his most recent release, 2014's Mandatory Fun. Please. Give a rock-solid Sketchfest welcome to Mr. Weird Al Yankovic. This, uh, this is kind of amazing. That I made it all the way up here? That you made it all the way up here. Uh, a man of your age, you made it up here. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Give me a few minutes. <laughs> well, let me just say, you're like eternally young. Like, you don't look any different from, from when I would watch you on MTV. Oh, I've got the Benjamin Button thing. <laughs> By the end of this interview, you'll be three years old. That's correct. Okay, excellent. Uh, so, Al, I have a couple questions for you to start. You're, you are, uh, first of all, play that song that uh, I don't think people heard it as Al was walking in. This has to be one of the most uh, famous Weird Al songs of all time. Yeah, this is a good one. Okay. (laughs) Uh, First of all, are people starving in Japan? Because I didn't really... Well, no, but that rhymed better. That rhymed better? Yeah. What were the other options on that? Well, uh, China, India, a lot of, like, third world nations that would have worked. (laughs) You just make a list of them, and you're like, oh, that one rhymes. Yeah. Cool. Done. (laughs) Like, nobody's going to fact check this one. (laughs) There was no fact checking back then. Fact checking's now. So, uh, it's a post, post-truth album. <laughs> <laughs> You're originally from California. Yes. Yeah, California. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, when did this start, your fascination this with... This interview? What? <laughs> well, let me see. Okay. When did the, your fascination with... Um, do we call them parody songs? Do we call them... Do we? I don't know. I don't what know do you call them? Uh, yeah, let's go with the parody songs. Send-ups, okay. take-offs, take-offs, pastiches. Uh, not, I call them nonsense sometimes. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. It's nonsense in a Silly, good way. Silly, wacky tunes. So when did you, um, when did you f- uh, get a fascination for this uh, brand of music? 
Well, I, I think, you know, probably when I was a very small child, I think that every kid in the, in the, uh, in the world uh, makes fun of songs on the radio and starts change, changing the words around. Uh, and then when I was exposed to the Dr. Demento radio show and, uh, when I was like 12 years old, thank yeah. you, Dr. Demento. <laughs> Um, that's when I was exposed to people like, you know, uh, Spike Jones and Alan Sherman and Stan Freeberg, Tom Lehrer, and, and uh, that was when I first really thought, oh, there are kindred spirits out there. And, and, uh, and I never really thought at that point in my life that I would have a living doing that kind of material, but right. it, it always was very interesting to me. Because you're right. Uh, I think all of us have, when we were kids, or maybe, maybe even now, you make up different words to different songs, but no one thinks that they're going to have the success uh, that you have with this, we, we, we're just doing it as a goof. Yeah. Why did you think that maybe, you know what, maybe, maybe I've got something well, you know, special? I, I, I just thought it was worth a shot. I mean, I certainly never thought I'd have a long career doing this. I, I went to college and got a degree in architecture, uh, but the, I, uh, the first two years after graduating, I thought, well, I'm not really passionate about architecture, and <laughs> I would much rather do something in comedy or music or comedy and music. Um, and so I, you know, I uh, put myself out there and I, I sent it, send out tapes to publishers and things like that. And I was getting airplay on the Dr. Domeno mm -hmm. show. Uh, and, uh, you know, th things worked out and I was able to, 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 to get a record deal. But, um, you know, I, I never, even, even then I didn't think that, you know, it was something that I was going to be doing the rest of my life. I just thought, well, I'm, I'm lucky to be doing it now right. and hopefully I can hang on for a couple of years. And, and your parents, are they, uh, are they supportive of this? I mean, you go to, you go to college, you're going to... They think you're going to be an architect, yeah. and all of a sudden you say, hey, do you want to come in my bedroom and listen to my bologna? <laughs> you know, what, what? If, if my folks were ever really concerned, they, they hit it pretty well. I, I think mostly they just wanted me to be happy. Mm -hmm. uh, they knew that I wasn't some, some kid that was like, I'm going to go to L.A. and be a star. I was never that kid. I was very adult-minded and serious. And, you know, I went to college, and I got good grades yeah. and all that. And, uh, and then they were always, always very supportive. As long as uh, I was happy, I think that was mm -hmm. the main thing with them. And you, were you a good kid? Were you, you were a good student? I was perfect in every way. <laughs> But you were you know, I, I was, I was, you know, when I write a song like White and Nerdy, that comes from personal experience. Okay. Because uh, I, I graduated high school at age 16 mm -hmm. uh, as the valedictorian. Okay. I had straight A's all through high school. So I, I was the kid you'd want to beat up, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's hear a little bit of, uh, of uh, My Bologna. Let's, this is really the first one that really... First single, yeah. Yeah, that broke through. I need, to, I need to point out that that was the re-recorded version for the first album. The, the, my first single was actually yes. uh, recorded in a bathroom. Okay. Uh, I, I was 19 years old, uh -huh. and, and uh, it was recorded across the hall. I was, I was a, a, a disc jockey uh, at Kyle Poly Radio, KCPR in San Luis okay. Obispo. And, uh, and I, I couldn't afford a real recording studio, so we just ran lines from, a, from the production room across the hall into Studio 229, which is what we call the bathroom. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, set up a chair and a microphone, and I recorded my first single right there by the urinals. And then you, uh, and then now, do you need to get permission from Doug Figer and, and the, the guys that co-wrote this for the Knack at that time? Well, or aren't you thinking about that? No, I, in retrospect, I really should have. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I was doing this as a goof. I was doing right. this to potentially get airplay on, on Demento show, and I never thought that that uh, Capitol Records or the Knack would ever even hear it. Yeah. Uh, but they did. Um, and and thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, they had a great sense of humor about it. Uh -huh. In fact, I, uh, the Knack played 
at Cal Poly that same year. Uh, and I went to see the show, and I, I snuck backstage to meet the guys in the band, and, and they knew who I was. Like, oh, you're the My Bologna guy. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and, and as, as uh, in an odd case of synchronicity, the vice president of Capitol Records happened to be at that show checking out the knack, and Doug Figer turned to the vice president of Capitol Records and said, you guys should put out My Bologna on Capitol Records. And he said, oh, okay. <laughs> My favorite line in there is, I, I always eat too much and throw up. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant wordplay. But it makes me laugh every single time I hear it. It's yeah. so ridiculous. Why don't I write like that anymore? I don't know. <laughs> oh. uh, let's hear some more from the first Weird Al Yankovic album. Let's hear, uh, let's hear this, uh, this one about ice cream. <laughs> I hear those ice cream bells and I start to drool. Quartz in my locker at school. Yeah, the chocolate's getting old. Vanilla just leaves me cold. There's just one flavor good enough for me. Yeah, me. Don't give me no crummy taste spoon. I know what I need. Everybody. Baby, I, I love Rocky Road. Oh, won't you go and buy half a gallon, baby? <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you, you probably noticed uh, most of the songs I wrote in the 80s were about food. Food, yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Well, we all need it. We all That's like true. it. Well, it was mostly on the advice of my accountant because mm -hmm. he said that if I wrote a bunch of food songs, I could write off my groceries on my tax return. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, another song off the, uh, off the first album is Another One Rides the Bus. Now, yeah. So now that, that's a Queen song. So how, how do you get approval from, from these folks? Well, it was the same kind of thing where it was like, I, you know, I didn't get approval uh, at first because I, I literally had recorded the song uh, the, the same weekend that I played it live on the Dr. Domeno show. Okay. And the live recording is the only recording we ever made. We didn't go into the studio. That, that, the single is that That's live it. performance, that, that one take live performance. Uh, so it wasn't like, like, wait, doctor, let me call up Queen and make sure this is okay. <laughs> Uh, and th again, thankfully, they had a great sense of humor about it. Yeah, and they, you know. Yeah, you got lucky with the, with these guys early yeah. on. Yeah. All right, another one rides the bus. Let's hear it. Riding in a bus down the boulevard, and the pace was pretty packed. Yeah. But a seat so had to stand with a perverse in the back. It was smelling like a locker room. There was junk all over the floor. We're already packed in like party and horse stopping to pick up more. Look out! Another one rides the bus. Uh. That was September nope. 14th, 1980. Look at that. You know that. You yeah. pull that right out. If you hear that thumping noise, that's, uh, uh, that's my uh, drummer, John Bermuda Schwartz, whacking on my accordion case for percussion. <laughs> <laughs> now, the thing, about, the thing about Weird Al Yankovic, if Bruce Springsteen goes and does a concert and he looks out and the audience is cracking up, he's like, hey, what, what's going on? I don't know. What I do? I did something wrong tonight. But you, you're singing your songs and you want the people to be singing and cheering and laughing. Well, yeah, and so if they, if they start crying or... Like, then it's bad, that's bad that's for you bad, then, yeah. yeah. Uh, these, uh, your first five or maybe six albums are produced by Rick Derringer. For six, yeah. Okay, let's hear, uh, play some Rick Derringer and then we're gonna figure out how this guy and that guy got together.
wanted to do Rocky Road Hoochie Coo. <laughs> he wanted you to? <laughs> well, do you know the connection with, with Rick Derringer? I don't know. That's it why is, in I'm... fact, yeah, it was because of I Love Rocky Road, because I Love Rocky Road, well, I Love Rock and Roll uh-huh. uh, was a, uh, a cover version by Joan Jett. The right. original version was by a band called The Arrows. Okay. And one of the guys in The Arrows was Jake Hooker, who happened to be Rick Derringer's manager. Oh, Perfect. So when we approached uh, Jake to get permission to do the parody, he said, well, of course you can do it. And by the way, I happen to manage Rick, manage Rick Derringer, and maybe he'd be interested in, in producing your, your album. And it, we, he did for the first six. And now Rick Derringer, he's a, he's a guitar god. He's, he's a real rock and roll guy. How did you guys get along? Great. I mean, you know, uh, he had, uh, Rick had a great work ethic, and he was fun in the studio. He, he brought a lot to, to the recordings. He, he played, uh, actually played guitar on the first uh, mm-hmm. uh, couple couple albums and the, the guitar solo in Eat It that's actually Rick Derringer oh nice uh, so after a while we felt like we should probably use our own guitar player <laughs> a bit more uh, but, but he had a great attitude about it um uh, he didn't treat it like a joke he mm-hmm. treated it like you know you know we're doing seriously a, we're a, making an yeah, album we're making an album excellent so uh, after the success of the first album uh, we move into well first I want to ask you this when did you start playing accordion uh, my first lesson was the day before my seventh birthday. So I took, I took lessons for three years, age of seven to ten. Okay. And that's my formal musical training. Seven to ten, that's it. Yeah, three that's years it. of lessons. I now, was done. Did, was that your instrument of choice, or did you want to play something else, and, and you were given an accordion? You know, I can't imagine I was begging for accordion lessons. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I didn't mind it, certainly, uh, yeah. but I was an impressionable young child. So mm-hmm. when my parents said that, oh, young Alfred would love to play the accordion, I said, okay. Because they, they, they sold it as... as uh, you know, when you play the accordion, you're a one-man band. You're the life of any party. So <laughs> that's, uh, they thought I'd never be lonely in high school. It, it, the ladies, they love an accordion player. That's right. <laughs> but now, as, a, as an adult, I don't play any instrument. And as an adult, I, that instrument seems like a hard instrument to play. Well, I didn't think at the time because I grew up playing the accordion. Right. But uh, my, my daughter uh, actually asked me to give her accordion lessons mm-hmm. a couple years ago. And I, I learned then, well, like, it is a little difficult because you got the, uh, like, the piano part on the right yeah. hand. And you're doing buttons on the left hand. And you have to make sure that you're squeezing the bellows back and forth. So it's like, you know, the whole patting your head and rubbing your belly thing. It's like a lot yeah, to yeah, think yeah. about. And you, have, uh, you put symbols between your knees you and you're, to, set, yeah, you're, sure. you're set. Now, how old is your daughter, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, she is, uh, next month, she'll be 14. 14? Yeah. See, I have, uh, I have two daughters, 12 and 16, so your daughter will be, that'd be right in the middle yeah. of my two daughters. My daughter's actually doing a musical today that I can't be at. Oh. Thanks, Al. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> uh, okay, let's hear something. The second album, uh, Weird Al Yankovic in 3D, and this was, uh, actually, this song is a, is a parody of a, of a San Francisco recording artist. Uh, big hit song, Greg Kinn. Let's hear a little bit about this. I was there to match my intellect on national TV against a plumber and an architect, both with a PhD. I was tense, I was nervous, I guess it. Has Greg been on your show? Greg has been on my show. Nice. Yeah. 
And the, uh, the two surviving members of the Knack have also been on my show. Oh, lovely. Yeah. That's great. Um, you know, when, I, when, I, when I did that song, not, not all people know this, uh, Jeopardy was not on the air when I, when I did I Lost on Jeopardy. It was a show that I grew up mm-hmm. watching in the, in the 60s. Uh, back so wait, when, the game show Jeopardy was not on the air at the time this song came that's out. That's correct, yeah. And because of you, they brought it back on the air. That's, that's what Murph told all me. All right, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. That's where I thought this story was going to go. Yeah. Okay, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, so. That, that is actually true. Oh, that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's because I, I did my research. That, that's what Merv Griffin told me. I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> so you get a little kick. So every time I watch Jeopardy, you're getting a little money is what you're telling me. I, okay. <laughs> uh, now, Greg Kinn is in this video. Yes, he is. He, he's at the very end. When I get thrown out into the, the, the backseat of a car, yep. Greg, Greg, Greg is driving. And uh, he's got a great sense of humor. Oh, he's he's, a, he's yeah. a guy that I say, hi, Greg. And then he talked for 45 minutes. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that's our show. But... Um, <laughs> The, now, the production on the second album sounds a little fuller than on the, uh, the Weird Al yeah, self-titled I mean, album. The first couple albums, there's an exponential growth in production mm-hmm. uh, from the first to the second. The first album, even though we did it on spec, I, I think that uh, we, we just rushed through it. We did it mm-hmm. so fast. I think we did like 10 uh, basic tracks in three hours. We just kind of like were very, very quick. And that was it. Yeah, I mean... Um, I, I, because I, I wasn't used to spending that much money uh-huh. in the studio, because I was working at a minimum wage job, I was you know five dollars an hour in the mailroom, and I thought, <laughs> oh gosh, you know, it, it's it's like so expensive to do studio time, right. and we we're just trying to get through it as fast as possible. So my Bologna, which we heard a little bit of, yep. way faster than it should have been, but I thought, <laughs> oh, no, it's close enough. <laughs> Let's keep moving. One take, Yankovic. Yeah. Uh, so. How long after the first album comes out, are you, do you still work your day job, even though this, this is in I did. The- yeah, I, I worked at, uh, it, it was Westwood One, it was a, a uh, syndication company in Culver City, California, mm-hmm. uh, where Dr. Demand was syndicated, okay. actually. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I worked there until, uh, I, I, uh, until last year. <laughs> no, I remember specifically it was when, uh, when Ricky uh, hit the charts because I was still going to get the mail uh, and I opened up Billboard magazine and I saw that I was, Ricky was like number 62 on the Hot 100 and I thought, well, I should probably give notice. I should probably, <laughs> I should probably get serious about this weird owl thing maybe. Uh, when you first uh, held your first album in your hand, what, what, did, what did that feel like? Were you like, is this real? Is this, when, it was an okay. amazing thing. It doesn't feel real, real until you can wipe your face against the shrink wrap. That's when you know it's, <laughs> it's a real thing. I mean, that was, that, that's, that was like a, a tradition of mine. I'd go to Tower Records and I'd pick mm-hmm. up my album and just rub it all over my face. <laughs> and then whoever came in next to buy that one got like some, some Something deep, extra, some, yeah. yeah. Some extra. <laughs> it's a bonus. Let's hear, some, uh, let's hear something else off. Uh, oh, I love this. The theme from Rocky Thirteen. Okay. The Rye and the Kaiser. Yes. Oh my God. Fat and weak, what a disgrace. Guess the champ got too lazy. Ain't gonna fly now, he's just taking up space. Sold his gloves, threw his eggs down the drain. But he's no bum, he works down the street. He bought the neighborhood deli. You might like 
Now, now <laughs> oh. that, um, that, that's in my iPod, in my treadmill tunes. When oh, I'm on man. the treadmill, I you know, one of the that. One of the later uh, Rocky uh, sequels, actually, he does wind up working in a delicatessen, does he not? Yes, he does. Yeah, he has his own restaurant, so, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. so not, too far, not too far yes. off base. Yep, yep. What if he would have contacted you to do, the, uh, to do a song for Rocky? Uh, we, I would have had to consider, you know, that, that was, uh, all, all the Rocky soundtrack stuff was done at Scotty Brothers, which was my label. Oh, yeah, that's right. Survivor yeah. was on Scotty Survivor Brothers. Survivor was on the same label. Um, so, um, yeah, I probably recorded this in the same studio where uh, <laughs> Eye of the Tiger's recorded. Uh, and again, that's uh, Eye of the Tiger, a gigantic hit, and they, they were all down for this. Because when they, when they agree to this, and this sells, they're making money too. Yeah, I mean, you know, they... So they you'd get... kind of be foolish not to... Jump stupid, 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 stupid. <laughs> to jump on that wagon. You're, you're doing half the work for them. <laughs> I made Michael Jackson enough money for the other glove. <laughs> <laughs> were, there, uh, were there artists that, that would contact you and say, say, hey man, why don't you do one of my songs? What's... <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I'd, I'd run into people at, at parties and award shows and uh -huh. various functions, and, and they would offhandedly say something to, to that effect. And I never know if they're just making conversation or being nice or if, if they're being sincere, but it's, it's nice to hear always. The, uh, the next one we're going to play is, because um, I think when you hear a parody, parody song, you have to know the original song, right? There's no context for it. Well, you know, my, my, my number one rule of writing a parody is mm -hmm. it, it needs to be funny even if you're not familiar with the source material. Okay. It's, it's better if you are, of yeah. course, but, you know, for the people that are like, I, you know, I'm not even familiar with pop music anymore. I don't even get Al's latest album. But it, it should still be funny even right. if you don't know what it's it based on. It should stand on its own. Yeah. Uh, but the reason I said that is because I, I, my, my, my daughter, who's 12, she was like, what are some weird Al Yankovic songs? And I'm like, do you know that Cyndi Lauper song? Uh, <laughs> Girls just want to have fun? She goes, I love that song. I go, well, this is Weird Al's song. Some girls like to buy new shoes and others like driving trucks and wearing tattoos. There's only one thing that they all like a bunch. Oh, girls, they want to have lunch. Oh, girls just want to have lunch. Okay, now, I, before you, I, have to, I have to say that song was recorded somewhat under duress. <laughs> Why is that? Because Scotty Brothers, the first two albums, they left me alone because they thought, oh, this kid, let him do what he wants. Right. Then, then the second album was a huge hit. So all of a sudden on the third album, they had notes, right? So, they, so I, had, I had, you know, the, the whole album basically done. I had Like a Surgeon. I had like mm -hmm. all these, you know, hits. And they said, well, we're not going to put it out unless you have a Cindy Lauper parody. Yeah. And I said, you've got a Madonna parody. Go yeah. with that. And they said, no, Cindy's really hot. you got to go with that. And I said... How about girls just want to have lunch? They go, oh, brilliant, do that. <laughs> brilliant. So you can, you can hear it in my voice. I gotta do this song. What's funny is my daughter started to laugh from the first word because of your vocal take on that. She was immediately into it. And then, and then she loves to eat, so she, was, she thought that was great. It's a win-win. It's a win-win all yeah. the way around. So, um, <laughs> uh, so early on, did you write... Um, did you write, uh, when did you start writing original songs? From the very beginning. I okay. mean, you know, the first album, there's like, uh, I think, seven original songs, yeah. I want to say. Um, uh, so it's, it's always been about a 50-50 proposition. Yeah. Uh, nearly all of my singles have been the parodies, because that seems to be what, what's right. gotten yeah. the most attention on, on radio and MTV. Uh, but, but people that have been paying attention know that half of my oeuvre is, uh, is original. <laughs> uh, hopefully funny still, but not, not a direct parody. 
Now, with Like a Surgeon, Madonna didn't write that song. Right. So, was she, when that came out, was she cool with it? Did you hear anything from Madonna? She was. That was written by Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly, yep. and I got their permission. Yep. Tom uh, Kelly's been on the show, too. Great, nice, fantastic nice. guy. Yeah. I'm uh, dropping names right and yeah. left, people. <laughs> Um, no, I, I ran into Madonna at some function where she was being presented with a platinum album, and I and you know I met her and she'd heard the song and she thought it was really funny and we had a brief thirty second conversation about it, <laughs> but it was very all very positive and she she liked it. And then you guys dated and for a while. Yeah. For a while. Okay. Cool. Just wanted to get that out there. Inside information. Uh, when, when you get the first platinum album or the first gold album, are you just like, this can't even be a real thing? It's, it's pretty crazy. I yeah. mean, everything in, in the beginning, the first, the first Grammy, the first mm-hmm. gold album, it just kind of doesn't feel real. Um, I mean, because, you know, I, I, just, I, I just, even to this day, I feel like I'm, I'm putting something over on people. Like, I'm just kind of <laughs> faking this whole career and people are somehow buying it, so. Your, your last album won another Grammy. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And it's so good. That's why it's so good, though. It's still, you're still, you're still, you have upped the bar from Girls Just Want to Have Lunch. I got to tell you. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to pass that, but. No, you did no. it. You, Thank you. You have been doing Thank it. Thank you. Um, so when you first, uh, when you first get some, uh, some money, that's what I call money. Yeah. I'm still waiting for it. But anyway, <laughs> what's the, do you splurge on something? What do you get a nicer accordion? What do you get? What's the, I didn't splurge too much. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think I probably wound up moving out of my $300 a month, you know, apartment with a Murphy bed that folded out from okay. the wall. Uh, so I wound up actually, you know, buying a house. That was like my only purchase, which was practical. That's and, a good purchase. You know, I, I always lived well within my means. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, want to make sure I didn't go into debt because I was always, it's, it's part of my personality, yeah. but also because it had been drummed into me that like what I do is, you know, ephemeral novelty music that's not going to be around for a while. And I'm lucky to, you know, have a career and yeah. it could all go away tomorrow. So I just never wanted to, I always wanted to live well but, uh, within my means. That's smart. That, well, that's any celebrity or artist should take that advice. That's good advice. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember meeting Bruce Johnson from the Beach Boys early on, and he took me aside and said, "Don't buy your mama house." <laughs> Cryptic, but well, that just sounds mean, Bruce. <laughs> and then he said, "Don't buy her anything. <laughs> Don't ever spend your money. <laughs> just take her for lunch because she's a girl." <laughs> Now, this, uh, this show was, um, uh, I'm going to say, upgraded to an all-ages show because uh, you appeal to everyone. And because I didn't think there would be any salacious talk or <laughs> if I would, I would be using any naughty words. Okay. So we have, a, we have a, a, young, a young guy right here. What's your name? My name's Enzo. Enzo, are you a big Weird Al Yankovic fan? You must be. Indeed, I have a jacket, too. Nice. What's, that? What's, what kind of, what's it say on it? Uh, it says, Weird Al Yankovic Man Nice. Have you ever met Weird Al Yankovic before? You, ha- you have? You're shooting my whole thing down. I was trying to make a, I was trying to make dreams come true. And you're always like, yeah, we've hung out. No biggie. Later, drop the mic. Uh, and it, was it like a backstage thing? Did you pay to meet him? Yeah, it was one of those things. Oh, you had to pay a little bit to... Okay. So, uh, you, you paid. Mom paid. I'm sorry, say that again, Enzo. I'm not going to look at you, Enzo. Because right now, I'm not a fan of yours. <laughs> no. So, Mom, you're a pretty cool mom, then, to do that. He is a good man. And hopefully Enzo will become an architect and not this. <laughs> oh, the job's taken. <laughs> Enzo, what was the first Weird Al song or album that you uh, got into? 
How old, can I, how old of a young man are you? I was probably about right, You're not seven now. You'd be a very tall seven-year-old. Uh, I'm like, I'm 13. You're 13. Well, thanks for coming out. Uh, you know what I'm going to do for you at the end of this show? I'm going to hustle your butt out of here. No. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you a copy of Mandatory Fun autographed by Weird Al Yankovic. What do you think of that? <laughs> now who's your hero? <laughs> Pat Francis of the Rock Solid Podcast. RockSolidPodcast.com. All right. Let's hear, uh, let's hear a little of Like a Surgeon. That's, that's, uh, that's a classic. Can I say that? Sure. Yeah. Let's go for that. I made it through med school. Somehow I made it through. You sound just like Madonna. Except you're on key. Shut it. Shut it. Shut it. Kyle, you've been in Weird Al Yankovic since, uh, since you were a kid also. Yeah. What the was... first, uh, first album I ever owned was Running With Scissors. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. That's your favorite. It is. Is that the first non-mustache album cover for Weird Al? I think so. Is it? I think it might Good be. Good call. I think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I keep track of everything. Like, uh-huh. when did Tom Selleck not have a mustache? When did Weird Al <laughs> not have a mustache? It's, it's funny you say that was your first album and your favorite one, because I've got a theory that everybody's favorite album of mine is whichever one came out when they were 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, uh, let me dig into some questions. Let me see. Oh, oh, here's one. My mom doesn't know who you are. Okay, let's call her up. I told my mom, I'm, I'm, well, let's call her up. You don't want that. My, uh, <laughs> Uh, my mo- I called my mom and, she, and I said, uh, hey, just wanted to know, uh, we, we got to San Francisco safely. And she's like, well, what, what are you doing in San Francisco? Which is a nice mom already. She doesn't know anything. I said, I'm, I'm at uh, San Francisco Sketch Fest. I've been here for eight years in a row. And uh, what are you doing there? I'm doing a comedy show. No respect. And she, I go, our guest is Weird Al Yankovic. What? I go, Weird Al Yankovic. She's like, I don't know who that is. I said, he's like the top uh, comedy recording artist of the past 35 years. She's like, mm, never heard of him. So good I never thing heard we, of your mom, so we're yeah, here. Yes. So it's a good thing we have Enzo and Kyle. That wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. <laughs> it's kind of sad. I'm I, depressed I could, now. I can edit this. Okay. <laughs> That's gone. When you, uh, when you first got to meet uh, Dr. Demento, uh, he was like, he was your hero, basically. Oh, right? bigger than life. Absolutely. And, uh, and he took a shine to you, and you guys, you, I guess, were friends then. Yeah, I mean, you know, it started with me just sending him tapes in the mail, which he played, and, and uh, uh, after a while, he invited me to the, to the station to, uh, to, to answer the phones with the rest of his cast and make funny noises and things like that, so we, we got to be friends over the years. Uh, how many tapes did you send before he played one? A uh, sm- small handful, I mean, and they were awful. I mean, I, I, thankfully, I, he didn't save any of that stuff. They've been lost to the sands of time. Okay. Um, the, the, the first thing he ever actually played on the radio was a song called Belvedere Cruising, which also was not very good, but, but it was, he, he just thought it was novel that some teenage kid was playing the accordion and thinking he was cool, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? 
Because if it was the same song, same everything, but I was playing a guitar, he never would have played it. Because yeah. Ah, yeah, no big deal. But he just thought that there's something there's something off about this kid. I'm going to give him a shot. <laughs> what? Uh, back to your daughter for a second. What does she think of, of your dad's career and? And, and the albums and songs you do now. I haven't told her yet. But, uh, <laughs> she still thinks you're an architect. <laughs> yeah. No, she's, she's always been very cool about it. I mean, she grew up... Uh, I mean, you know, I've been her dad her whole life. Oh, my God. And, that's uh, true. I guess and she's that's just right. kind of used to it. And the, the, the thing is, she's not awestruck by it, and she's not jaded by it. It's just right. part of her reality. It's just, you know, she, grew, she used to... Um, uh, she was a big Star Wars fan when she mm-hmm. was uh, younger, and, and she would uh, be on the side of the stage when the Stormtroopers would come out for The uh-huh. Saga Begins. And every now and then she'd put on a little Jawa costume and come out on stage. Oh, it's so cute. Uh, so, I mean, she's always, you know, been there and, and enjoying it from the periphery. And, and, uh, and I, I, don't think that, I don't think she's sick of it. <laughs> I think she still enjoys it. <laughs> and at, at home, does she call you weird dad? No. <laughs> no, just dad? Not, yeah. Okay. Uh, now, your wife, when, as you're, when you're writing songs, do you run them by your spouse? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, and what's the reaction there? Because I know when I run a joke by my wife, it does not go well. Yeah. Because the jokes aren't good. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, hard, it's hard to write comedy in a vacuum, so I, I trust my gut instinct most okay. of the time. But sometimes, if there's somebody else in the room, and usually it would be my wife, mm-hmm. I would you know, say, okay, I just did these lyrics, what do you think? And she'd go down, and usually she'll think it's really funny, mm-hmm. and sometimes she'd say... Well, I'm not sure. And then I say, well, what do you know? Come on. <laughs> I'm going to prove Where's you your wrong. Grammys? <laughs> Where's your Grammys? I like this question. I want to ask this question because so many times I see... Uh, uh, people who've won awards and it's like oh, where's your Oscar and they're like I don't even know it's, I don't know in the bathroom Where, where's your do you have your Grammys in your office well, uh, do you have your the, albums hung up somewhere please tell the, me this yes this is kind of an off day usually I have them affixed to my forehead with wood screws <laughs> um, no there's uh, the, the actual answer is they're, they're in the den there's, okay there's, good there's four of them on a, on a shelf mm-hmm. and they're all very comfy together <laughs> And, and what about the Golden Platinum albums? Those are hung up somewhere? Uh, they're, they're downstairs all, all, all on a wall. Fantastic. Like, yeah. That's what I like to hear. You should, you should display that and be proud. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have told me, like, they're in the garage, I don't know. No. We don't know. Under the bed. I didn't even keep them. I just threw them away. Yeah, I don't want them. Could have given one to Enzo, but nope. <laughs> Let's hear... Uh, you, you brought up the Saga Begins, so let's jump to the Saga Begins. This, that's from Running With Scissors. And... Uh, and this is this is just this is an amazing song. This is this is stairway to heaven for me. <laughs> Let's hear it. In a galaxy far away, Naboo was under an attack. And I thought me and Qui-Gon Jin could talk the Federation into maybe cutting them a little slack. But their response it didn't thrill us. They locked the doors and tried to kill us We escaped from that gas The Met Jar Jar and Boss Nass We took a bongo from the scene And we went to feed to see the queen We all wound up on tattooing (laughs) That's where we found this boy Oh my, my, this here Anakin guy Maybe Vader someday later Now he's just a small fry And he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi 
Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi. Ah. <laughs> now, on this song, you have a very, very nice voice. You're actually, you're actually singing very nice. Like, you're not singing well, funny. Well, I, I wanted to sing the song, so I didn't go, lunch. No. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yes, I, more than once somebody said, oh, you have such a nice singing voice. Why do you sing those stupid songs? <laughs> Thankfully, I did not phrase it like that. Um, what music do you like? Like, do you, what music do you listen to at home? What kind of songs do you like? Um, a little bit of everything. Nowadays, I listen to mostly what my daughter likes to listen mm -hmm. to in the car. Uh, but, you know, I, a lot of my favorite bands are bands that are a little off-center, a little quirky, not necessarily comedy music, although right. I like that as well, of course, but just bands that have a, a bit of a sense of humor, you know, uh, new wave, uh, alternative, I uh, liked a lot of British Invasion stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but before we go, go too far away from it, sure. I just wanted to comment on uh, uh, Saga Begins. Two things. One is, I wrote that song before uh, the movie came out. It was all based on internet rumors. Oh, wow. Because in order to get it out, you know, this is before, you know. You wanted to get it out at the same time. Yeah, this is before YouTube, so I couldn't, like, just put right. it out digitally. You know, it's, it takes a while to get it out in the store, so right. I figured, it, you know, for it to be timely, I had to, like, get the jump. So all based on internet rumors, which thankfully were true. Um, <laughs> And the other thing is... Uh, Thank you, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is, uh, the year after this parody came out, uh, Madonna put out her cover version of American Pie. I yes. don't know if you remember that. Yes, it's kind yes, of a yes. disco version. And um, you know, a lot of the people, a lot of the kids that heard my parody on Radio Disney just uh -huh. thought, oh, it's an original Al song. Because they, <laughs> right. they weren't familiar. They weren't right. familiar with a 1970 Don McLean hit. Yeah. And then when Madonna came out with her version, people were like, why is Madonna doing an unfunny version <laughs> of a Weird Al song? <laughs> now, that wasn't your first time uh, uh, digging into the Star Wars, though. You did... Right. Uh, this, is, this is absolutely... If, if, there's, if there's two songs on here that I love the most, this is one of the two. Let's hear a little bit of, and you love British Invasion, so this is, this is uh, a Kinks parody. This is Yoda. So again, you, you have to get Ray Davies to sign off on that. Yeah, you know, I, I wrote that song in uh, 1980, the year that uh, Empire came out, but I, it was, I, we, we, were, we couldn't get it on an album until 1985, mm -hmm. uh, because there were a lot of things to, to clear. I mean, you know, Lucasfilm had to sign off on it. And, and wow, Ray, really? Ray, you just course. can't say Yoda? No, no it has no? to be Yoda TM. Oh, you know? okay. <laughs> but uh, no, there's, there's a, lot, a lot of paperwork that needs to be done, and, and it took a while. And that was one of those cases where uh, we were being told that, uh, that Ray Davies wasn't going to sign off on it, and mm -hmm. I just thought, oh, well, this is a lost cause. And then I think I, I bumped into Ray, 
I, th I think it was like in the hallway of the Howard Stern radio show. And, yeah, I was going to say, where do you just bump in? I'm not bumping into no. Ray Davies, but <laughs> Weird Al is. But I, I was leaving, and he was coming in, and, and I just, hey, Ray, I, I'm sorry that, that we can't do Yoda. And he was like, what are you talking about? He had no idea. <laughs> Nobody even brought it to him. You sound um, like a crazy person when you say that. <laughs> right. Sorry we can't do Yoda. Like, what? Yeah. All right, whatever. All right. <laughs> but but it, as, as I found was the case, uh, uh, a lot of times in, in my career, uh, management or whoever did not bring it to the artist directly, and, and the artist actually was quite, you know, fine with it. So how long into your career is management doing their job and bringing, <laughs> start to bring the songs to the, uh, to the artist? Well, I mean, they, they usually do, but there's okay. always, like, you know, the cases, like, uh, more, most recently, I think, Lady Gaga, her manager, like, shut me down, like, time after time, and then found out that she, he wasn't even bringing it to Lady Gaga. Because she, she would say yes. She, and she did, ultimately. Gaga's cool. Um... <laughs> The, uh, what's funny about that is you're saying all, everyone who had to sign off on Yoda, the, the original Lola, uh, there's a version where they don't say Coca-Cola because... Cherry Cola. They yes. say Cherry Cola right. because Coca-Cola wasn't uh, exactly, down yeah. with it. So yeah. same type of a deal. Let's, uh, and that was the end of Coca-Cola. That was right, yeah. <laughs> yep, never heard it from them again. Nope. They're gone. <laughs> Here's an original. Uh, this is off Polka Party. Let's hear a little bit of Here's Johnny. Any Elder Barge parodies anymore? You know, no, no. Just you need them. Um, what uh, what song came to you like like immediately? Like immediately, you were like you heard the original and you were like, boom, done. Um, I, I Fat was one of those. Uh, okay. I remember watching it, the world premiere video on on, uh, on MTV or wherever it was. I've never seen it. There's yeah, a video it's, it's, for yeah, there for, was okay for bad. No. Uh, and uh, who sings bad? 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 Yeah. I'll, I'll explain it later. All right. Uh, but I remember watching that, and, and uh, before the video was over, I already had my idea for fat, because I just imagined like a, a, a super morbidly obese guy trying to get through turnstiles yep. in a subway. <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm done. I'm ready. And when you play that song live, you, you put a fat suit on. I do, yeah. yeah. I've been rocking the fat suit for, for, for decades now. How does, that, um, how does that suit smell by the end of the tour? Really bad. Really bad. Really bad. Really bad. Let's hear a little bit of, of fat. Nah, your butt is wide. Well, mine is too. Nah, just watch your mouth or I'll sit on you. Nah, the word is out. Better treat me right. Because nah, I'm the king of cellulite. Ham on, ham on, ham on, ham on whole wheat. All right. Now, in politically correct times like today, you might get some backlash if you if that if you wrote that today. Uh, perhaps, yeah. yeah. That's been brought up to me before, but yeah, it might, it might not be quite as cool to do it. But <laughs> although, you know, when I wrote the song, I just, I didn't feel like I was doing something that was offensive because yeah. the, the character in the song uh, is empowered, you know, <laughs> right. he, he's, he's, you know, he's owning it, he's, you know, he's, he's, um, 
taking taking pride in his yeah. in his size, and I, I think as long as it's as positive that way, it doesn't feel like I'm putting somebody right. down. And I'm going to tell you what, that's good spin. Yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you. Good job. Um, my, uh, see, I thought your answer was going to be this one because this one, t- this one is my favorite. This one is so funny. And so you t- you give this one thumbs up, or you're out of here. <laughs> Gump. I've had several thousand people on social media suggest that I retool that and make it about a political figure. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's too, that's, too easy, too that's, easy. Yeah, what a stupid question. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't ask that as uh, number 14 on your list. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the best... Uh, song you, a parody song you ever wrote that you couldn't get the artist to sign off on, and so it's, it's, it's in the archives. It's never been released. Mm. Is there one? There's actually there. There's one we just got permission for like two days ago. And, which, but, and when was this written? Was it a while? 1981. Ago? Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that artist died in their estate signed no, off on no. it. No. No. Okay. Well, actually, they. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really? Really? But it, it wasn't because the artist didn't have a sense of humor about it. it okay. was, it's, it's a long... I don't, know if, I, don't th- I don't think I can talk about it on the podcast. We're I'll call all, you later. What if we all sign an, uh, a non-disclosure <laughs> agreement? You can't tell us the song? No, I, I, I think I can. Um, okay. Well, I'll get in trouble, but... Uh, it's, a, it's a parody of Taxman by the Beatles. Oh, okay. Called Pac-Man. Pac-Man? Yeah, so Dr. Demento played it a couple times and got a cease and desist letter from the Apple attorneys... <sighs> And it's been sort of like underground this whole time. And it's before I had a record deal. It's yeah. like way before then. And, uh, and finally, uh, I'm, I'm good friends with Danny Harrison now. I was on George Fest yeah, yeah, and sure. a few things like that. And George Harrison's son. And I said, hey, we're, we're doing this box set, and we'd love to include Pac-Man. And, and we just now got permission for it. Now, okay. I was, uh, was going to talk about this at the end, but I'll talk about it now since it came up organically. Um, <laughs> Uh, later in the year, in the fall, there's going to be uh, a Weird Al box set. It's going to be uh, all 14 albums on 150 gram vinyl, plus CDs, in a replica of your accordion. That's right. That is going to be amazing. Yeah. So it's those, those 14 albums plus, uh, plus the, the 15th, which is going to have rarities like Pac-Man and yes. Ed Al. So we're going to have a whole rarity CD also, yeah. I mean, and album. That's fantastic. That is going to be great. Thank you. So... Um, Enzo, put that on your Christmas list. <laughs> or Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. I don't want to... Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, whatever. Um, I like this one, too. This is where you sing in the style of uh, Jim Morrison. Oh, yes. And you do a pretty great uh, Jim Morrison. I give uh, him my best. I'm not an, yeah. I'm not an impressionist, right. but, but I thought it would be fun to do a, a song in the style of The Doors, and I'd never even attempted mm-hmm. a Jim Morrison, you know... Uh, tribute right. before, but I thought oh, I'll give it my best shot. And what is this song called, Kyle? 
Is Craigslist? Of course it is. <laughs> what else would Jim Morrison sing about? You got a 65 Chevy Malibu with automatic drive, a custom paint job too. I'll trade you for my old wheelbarrow and a slightly used sombrero, and I'll even throw in a stapler if you insist. <laughs> well, this is this is probably one of your questions, but you know the coolest thing about this song. Mm -hmm is uh, who's playing keyboards. It's Rayman Zarek from The Doors. Well, we will, we will say rock in peace, Rayman Zarek, yes, and Jim Morrison, but that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, but this has happened before because there's a song called uh, Money, for, Money for Nothing slash Beverly Hillbillies, and who plays guitar on this? It's a Dire Straits parody, and it was uh, Mark Knopfler who played guitar on that. And he, he wanted to play guitar on it, right? Yeah, actually, my, my guitar player, Jim West, had already recorded the part, mm -hmm. and that did it, like, spot on. Mm -hmm. And Mark Knopfler was saying, well, I'd like to play guitar on that. And we're like, we said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is from UHF. Let's hear a little bit of that. You went, to, um, you went to the Michael Jackson well twice in your career. I did, yeah. Did, did he want you to do more? Was he, he seems like a guy that would have been like, hey, no. Al. <laughs> yeah, Michael was very supportive. He was very happy with, uh, with Eat It and Fat. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did actually go to the well one more time just because... It oh, was, you did? I, 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 yeah, it, it never got released. Um, because Is I, it going to be on this box set? No, because I, I, I didn't record it or okay. anything like that. It was after UHF. I was feeling kind of desperate because okay. UHF kind of tanked at the box office. And I was like, I'm going to come back strong with a big album. And maybe I should do another Michael Jackson parody that's worked <laughs> in the past. And, uh, and thankfully, he turned me down because it would have been... He did turn you down. Yeah, and it, he did me a big favor because it would have been embarrassing because it really reeked of desperation, which is what it was. Uh, I was going to do a parody uh, of uh, Black and White called Snack All Night, which is a horrible idea. It's yet another food song. And, and, and I'm so glad that instead he said no, and I did Smells Like Nirvana, which really kind of revitalized my career. Then we got to hear a little bit of Smells Like Nirvana.
So that was ni- 1992. So as soon as grunge music started, you were like, I got I to gotta do one of these. Oh, pretty much. I mean, I was, I was watching Nirvana go up the charts, mm-hmm. and uh, I was a big Nirvana fan, and I thought, oh, I would love to do a pair of these guys, but you know, they're never going to get that popular. And then, uh, <laughs> and then Nevermind hit number one, and yep. they be- you know, Kurt became the voice of a generation. I was like, okay, well, I guess I can do it now. And the, the album cover for, uh, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Off the Deep End. Off the Deep End. This is a parody of, of that. Of never mind, Nirvana. Yeah. yeah, never mind. Uh, who's I, do you come up with that? Is that uh-huh. your idea? Yeah. Are I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, there, if there's an art director at the uh, at the at the label that well, helps there, out. Well, there that is stuff. an art director, but I usually like tell them what I want to do, and then they make it yeah. make it happen. All right, cool. And you, you, so you responsible for all the album covers? They're your ideas. Uh, pretty much, I believe so. Yeah. Who did the artwork on the first one? That's a pretty interesting. That was uh, a Brazilian artist named Rogério. And uh, I was a big Mad Magazine fan, and, and he was an artist that kind of did that style. Okay. Uh, in fact, he's married to uh, Andrea Romano, who is now a voiceover director who has cast me in a bunch of animated things. Oh, so, like, okay, cool. Circle of Life. Oh, Andrea, yeah, I know. She's got the short hair, yeah. and she does all the, the DC... Yeah, uh, yeah, that's her. The D- yeah, so her great. husband is the guy that did the art for my first album. Well, how do you get hooked up with him for your first album? Because he, he That was, that was who, probably with the art director. We told the art director what we wanted, wanted to do okay, and he said, found Oh, we, we found this guy. Terrific. Yeah, I love that. Is that's like an iconic cover in my opinion. Well, thank you. It, it, it's nice because that, that was in the days of, of LPs where you could like really stare at it yes. and look at every little detail, which kind of gets lost on, on CDs it, it and really now on does, USB yeah. stick drives. Kind of really gets lost. Well, <laughs> what's great is when you people buy the box set this fall, you're going to get that first album and you're going to get to look at that artwork. <laughs> and uh, good hard sell. I like it. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for uh, James Bond themes. Mm-hmm. And so the movie Spy Hard, do they seek you out to write the song for this? They did, yeah. Uh, it was the movie Spy Hard was, was pretty much all done, and they called in Savage Steve Holland to kind of redirect it in a way to kind of punch it up. Okay. And part of that was like they wanted me to do the opening title sequence. So I, um, so I did a, a James Bond-like mm-hmm. thing where um, I, I worked with an 85-piece orchestra and uh, did, a, did, a, did a song that, you know, again, a pastiche. It wasn't a direct parody, but it was right. like to sound like all the Bond songs. Yeah, sound like a Shirley Bassey yes. or, or one of those type songs. Right. So let's listen to a little of Spy Hard. A man of intrigue, he lives for the thrill. <laughs> Always has places to go and people to kill. <laughs> Danger is the game he plays, and he holds every card. Cause if you wanna win, you gotta spy hard. A man of the That's right on point. You nailed it. <laughs> Thanks. My favorite part, did you see the opening uh, credits for the movie? I don't like at, movies. At, well, <laughs> at the very end, I, I hold a high note for like 20 seconds, uh-huh. and then my, my head literally blows up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, look, look for that on YouTube. I'm sure yeah. it's out there. Uh, and this isn't your first time doing You did This Is The Life for Johnny Dangerously. Right, yeah. Like 80, 84, right? Yeah. Now, my, it says 54 music videos. I'll Who, take your word for it. I yeah. don't know. Who's financing these things? 
Various people. <laughs> various people. I mean, ultimately, well, in the early days, I mean, it's ultimately out of my royalties. Yeah. But which the record label fronts. Uh, on the last album, Mandatory Fun, uh, the video budget for me was zero because I because got to partner a, with yeah. all these different, you know, pe uh, people like uh, Funny or Die and College mm -hmm. Humor and Yahoo mm -hmm. and Nerdist. Uh, you know, because they wanted content, exclusive content, and okay. I wanted somebody to pay for my videos, and we worked out a deal. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, and with MTV, there's no outlet for these things really anymore. Well, have you heard of the internet? There's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they get out oh, there. Oh, is that the thing Al Gore invented? That's right, yeah. yeah. No, but you, you know what I mean? I mean, it was such a promotional tool in, in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, you were on MTV, like, nonstop. Yeah. Which was probably pretty cool. Well, it was cool for me because I kind of had the market to myself, and now I'm yeah. competing with 100 million people doing funny music videos on, on YouTube. Uh, and there was, a, there was a period of time between you know, MTV playing music videos and, and, uh, and portals like YouTube mm -hmm. where it kind of didn't make really sense to do videos because they're very expensive, mm -hmm. uh, and if you can't play them anywhere, anywhere there's really yeah. no point to do them. But, uh, but now I think they're you know, more important than ever because people, that's the way people um, learn about and experience new music usually. Now, we're talking a little bit about MTV, and you used to do a thing uh, called Owl TV. Yeah. Where you would, where you would, uh, you would take over, basically, right. uh, the airwaves. How did that come about? Was that your idea, or did they approach you? I think, I think we may have pitched them on the, on the idea. And, uh, you know, back in the early days of MTV... Anything uh, went. Anything went. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It was, it was, it was great, because... It, you know, everything now is so formatted, uh, and you know every every minute is is accounted for. And back then it was sort of like, can we take over for four hours? And like, fine, have fun, <laughs> do what you want. And literally, they just said, you've got four hours of programming. Send us the tapes when you're done. It's crazy. Yeah. And did you have to call Martha Quinn and tell her not to come in today? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Martha, we're going to be here for four hours, yeah, so no. you stay home. Um, yeah, there was like no budget, you know, which, uh, you know. Obviously. Yeah. If you've seen it, it's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> well, there budget. was really no budget at MTV for anything yeah, back then. That was, I don't know if you, do you remember the early days when it was sort of like, it, it was so, so raw, it was, it was sort of like you're watching, you know, public television. Yeah, yes, it was. Like local public, and, but it was like a nationwide show, like, you know, Mark Goodman would say something and go, okay, what's next? And they, they would, they yeah, would they did literally, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, uh, I miss MTV so much. I wish that uh, I wish that other generations knew MTV the way that I knew yeah. it and the way you knew it because it was just an amazing thing. Maybe that's a good biopic. Maybe we Maybe. They need to do an MTV biopic. Yep. Is anyone? Is anyone? Uh, can I pitch that to someone later? <laughs> is there any? No, no one's here. Um, what? Um, now, this past year, you release uh, uh, a brand new album or nineteen? Sorry, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, mandatory fun, and uh, and this thing. Does gangbusters? Yeah, it's it's a, like every time you release one, do you think? Well, you oh never boy. know. Yeah, yeah, because I, I always you know give it my best shot, and every time mm -hmm. I put out an, put out an album, I thought, well, this is the best thing I've ever done, and who knows if people are going to like right. it. Uh, and I, I had a high hopes because I thought you know it's, it's a strong album, and I've got this eight videos on eight days kind of promotional thing in my right. back pocket, and I thought it's, it's going to do okay, and it's, it's my last album, and I hope that like it cracks the top ten because my last my previous two had. Uh, but that was about as much as I thought. I mean, I never in a million years would have dreamt that, that it would go to number one. That yeah. was like crazy to me. Number was, one was, in 2014. Yeah, because it was unprecedented because yeah. a, a comedy album had never debuted at number one. And, and it had been over 50 years since a comedy album even reached number one. So it was just, it, you know, it was, it was crazy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a home run. Yeah. 
Now I feel bad. I don't know how you're going to follow that up. Yeah, it's a mic drop. I'm just going yeah. <laughs> to... Uh, are you working on, a, on new music, a new album? Uh, I'm, I'm not... I have to say I'm not uh, really actively working on new music right now. I've got mm-hmm. several other projects, which unfortunately I can't talk about, but, but various TV and feature film projects, which I'm involved with, which we'll see what happens. Uh, but at some point, there will be more material. So that's the, that's the, the bummer with releasing a complete Weird Al Yankovic box set, is I'm not dead yet. Right, and, right. You know, Sometimes I'll, that I'll, seems At some like... point, I'll probably do something else. Right. <laughs> but there is, there is going to be unreleased material on the box set, which yes. is cool. So we yeah. have that. But uh, yeah, when they, sometimes when they re- release those career retrospective things, it could make the artist feel like, well, what the, hey, <laughs> it's not over yet. Uh, let's hear a little Gangster's Paradise, and then I want to talk about, um, <laughs> talk about this. I'm sorry, Amish Paradise. Oh, they're going to hear Coolio. No. Huh? All right. No. We're going to hear yours. Coolio didn't give us the rights to play his song. Okay. <laughs> She's very plain, but that's just perfect for an Amish like me. You know I shun fancy things like electricity. At 4.30 in the morning, I'm milking cows. Jebediah feeds the chickens and Jacob plows. Fool, and I've been milking and plowing so long that... Even Ezekiel thinks that my mind is gone I'm a man of the land, I'm into discipline Got a Bible in my hand and a beard on my chin But if I finish all of my chores and you finish thine Then tonight we're gonna party like it's 1699 We've been spending most our lives living in an Amish paradise A churn butter once or twice living in an Amish paradise It's hard work and sacrifice living in an Amish You know, this is one of the only songs to reference Prince, Pulp Fiction, and Gilligan's Island in the same song. Are you sure, are you sure one about of the, that? One of, one of a very small group okay. of songs. Uh, now, what I always hear about this is Coolio for a while said that he didn't give you permission for this. Is that correct? I, I think he still maintains that, that viewpoint. Uh, I mean, he's, he's fine. He's not angry anymore. Right. Uh, but yeah, there was some kind of major m- miscommunication back, back in the day. Uh, very, he said, she said. Uh, unfortunately, I, I wasn't directing, dealing directly with Coolio. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, my, my record label was the intermediary. And they contend that he signed off on it. He has always contended that he said no. And to this day, I don't know what happened there. Well, when they say he signed off on it, is it a physical signing of a paper, or is it just a, yeah, go ahead? Because uh, if, if it was an actual if, signing off... If it was off, in writing, I'd have, I'd have, have to say that... So figuratively signing off on it, I guess I should say. You, uh, so you've never met Coolio? No, I, I have. And, and, and how I, did I that presented go? at the American Music Awards with him before this whole thing blew up. Oh, so before there was a problem with it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but well, before yeah, before my my parody came out. Okay, but since the parody, and, and since since then, it, it was a long time because uh, he had said something uh, at the Grammys to the effect of like, "I wish him all the luck in the world, but he better just stay away from me." I thought, okay, well, I will. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's but, bring him out. But <laughs> Go in. Yeah. no, I, I I actually ran into him several years ago, and and we hugged it out, and everything was you know it's all water under the bridge. But yeah, it was it was a little we I, I, apparently we had beef for a while. <laughs> Was it East Coast, West Coast? I, 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 West Coast, West Coast. West Coast, West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Very short beef. <laughs> uh, another one of your songs I really love, because I, lo- I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you nailed it with the Bedrock Anthem. Sometimes I feel like I need a vacation. Sometimes I feel like I want to go. The city of cavemen, the city of bedrock. I'd 
be a Flintstone. Now I'll tell you why. Get ready, folks. Every year, or do you? Uh, will there be any tour dates coming up this year? Uh, I, I'm not touring this year. Okay. I, I toured very, uh, extensively the last two years. We did 200 dates over the last two years. Uh, so, so this year, I'm going to let people miss me a little bit. Yeah. And then, uh, then t- next year, uh, we're going to be doing a very different kind of tour. Just a, a sort of a palate cleanser, I like to say. We're, we're going to do a. Uh, I can't really say unplugged, but, it, but but basically a no frills version of the tour. So no no fat suit. Yeah, no. it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be playing to much smaller houses because mm-hmm. the the uh, appeal will be more limited. Uh, but it's gonna be no costumes, no props, no video, just a bunch of old guys playing instruments. Wow, that's that's kind of it. That's <laughs> yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Well, I've never seen you, but now that we're good buddies, I assume VIP treatment will be uh, <laughs> coming up. Uh, when you do do the big show, how many songs are in, in your set? How many songs are you guys doing live? Oh, well, the, the show is uh, generally about two hours long, and I'm, I'm, how many songs? Like, I want to say 17, but one of those song, one of one of those is a medley, which is another 12 songs. So, mm. there, you know, we try to jam as much as we can into a, into a and, show. And uh, you've been working with the same live band for a long time. The same guy since the very beginning, John Bermuda Schwartz, who was banging on my my accordion case in 1980. He's still my drummer to this day. Uh, uh, Jim West and, and Steve J, my guitar player and bass player, respectively, have been with me since 1982. And, uh, and Ruben Valtiera, who's uh, my touring keyboardist, has been with me since 91, so he's the new guy. Mm-hmm. And are these, <laughs> and are, these uh, are these just musicians, or are these actually, your, these are actually your good friends? Well, both. I mean, yeah. you know, they started out as people we, we hired, and, mm-hmm. and then we became friends, and we're like a little family now. That's terrific. That's, what, that's how it should be. Yeah. Now, this past year, you also had uh, a lot of success. You just did a live show earlier in the day with, uh, with the crew from Comedy Bang Bang. How did that come along? Or about? Well, the, that, this show today? Or no, the no, the whole, the whole thing. Uh, I'd always been a big fan of uh, Comedy Bang Bang, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Ackerman show on yep. IFC, and, uh, and I, I've been on his podcast many times, and I was uh, actually a guest on, on the TV show a number of times. And uh, Reggie Watts was the original band leader. Yes. Uh, and he Kid- had... And Kid Cuddy. Kid Cuddy, yeah. Reg, yeah. Reggie had to leave because he uh, took a job being uh, James Corden's band leader. Yeah. And Kid Cuddy came on for 20 episodes. Then he had some, some uh, uh, schedule problems. And, uh, That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I, I got an email from Scott uh, the, the morning after I got off the road saying, hey, do you want to be the new band leader for Comedy Bang Bang? And, you know, it's, it's not often that I get uh, offered the opportunity to, 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 to co-star on one of my favorite shows. So I yeah. said, of, of course. And... Uh, uh, I, I knew before going into it that it was going to be the last season, so it was a little yeah. bittersweet, but um, I enjoyed every single day on the set, had a great time. Yeah, when I read it in the trades, I said, this is, because uh, that's what we do in Hollywood, we read the trades. <laughs> uh, no, when I read that you were going to do it, I was, like, I was like, this is a perfect fit, this just, just makes sense. So I'm glad you got to do that. Me Congratulations. too, me too. What, uh, did you do any uh, crazy characters on the show? 
Uh, a number of them. I mean, I was mostly the band leader, but we did a lot of sketch comedy. There was w one episode, which was, I guess, my favorite, was uh, uh, the episode where my, my evil twin comes to visit, Weird Sal, <laughs> came on the show. And uh, that was a very bizarre show. because I, I like any show with an evil twin. And uh, what was your look for your evil twin? Very much like my regular look, but I had a, uh, had a mustache. Well, you have a mustache now. I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> I was clean-shaven during the, the run of the fifth season. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so you can tell us apart. <laughs> let's hear, uh, let's hear, I love this one too. Let's hear, this is in the style of Billy Joel. This is called uh, Ode to a Superhero. Poor Peter Parker was pitiful. Couldn't have been any shyer. Mary Jane still wouldn't notice him Even if his hair was on fire But then one day he went to that science lab That mutated spider came down Oh, and now Peter crawls over everyone's walls And he's swinging all over town La, 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 lady down so when I heard this song, this was my this is the first question that popped in my head. This is a parody of Piano Man. So why didn't you just call it Spider Man? Well, uh, for legal reasons, so uh, again, for like the Yoda, <laughs> like the Yoda thing. Yeah, well, okay. it's 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 because um, we didn't uh, get permission from this uh, the owners of the Spider-Man franchise okay. thinking it would be, be easy to get forgiveness than permission because mm -hmm. when you work with you know uh, movie studios you know they're not likely to let you have a piece of their you know very uh, oh, sorry that's, okay. <laughs> that's your water you can okay. kick it around <laughs> They, they, they aren't so inclined to give permission for you know things like this that don't make them a lot of money yeah. uh, so we just figured as long as we fly under the radar uh, we could sneaky. get away with it. You're so sneaky. instead of calling the song Spider-Man, we just called it Ode to a Superhero. Oh, they'll never find out about this. No. <laughs> See, for me, I just feel like you're writing a song that's promotion for their character. And you're, I'm doing you're a huge favor. Free what they, promotion. What are they thinking? Look what I, yeah, you should say, hey, look, you guys, look what I'm doing for you. Where's my check? Right. <laughs> um, what song do you absolutely cannot leave off the set list. It has, you have to play it every night. It's, there's a, uh, I know there's more than one, but what, is there one that like Bruce Springsteen has Born yeah. to Run? What's the it, Weird Al Born to Run? It, it feels like there's half a dozen of them at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, uh, the Star Wars songs, you know, Yoda and Saga Begins, and, and you know, Amish Paradise, and Smells Like Nirvana, and Fat, and a lot, a lot of the songs you play yeah, yeah. the day. But I mean, you know, no matter how long the set is, I'm leaving off somebody's favorite song of all time. Yeah. Uh, which is why I'm excited to do uh, next year's uh, tour because we're playing none of the songs people want to hear. Deep cuts. All the all the deep cuts. <laughs> deep cuts. All the deep cuts. Because you also you also have to work in songs from from your new album. So how many do you usually? Uh put in the set list that are, are new? Uh, as many as we can. I mean, you know, we, pl we play, uh, you know, about, about two-thirds of the new album, or at least, you know, we do a medley in the show, so we, you know, do little bits of it so people can at least feel like they've heard the song. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was the mandatory tour, so we put, put a lot of stuff from... Um, mandatory fun on it, but also we wanted to play as many of the hits as we could, and a few surprises for, you know, the longtime fans. Right. So it's, it's always a bit of a, a, of a puzzle be, to yeah. get it all together. It would be a struggle yeah. and a puzzle. And, um, and uh, groupies? I'm still waiting. Okay, cool. <laughs> there might be a couple here tonight. 
now this is, this is probably uh, a question people have asked you a million times, but I don't know the answer to it. Why is it Weird Al in quotes? As opposed to what? Uh, as opposed, I don't know. I mean, I don't, <laughs> Weird well, Al. Well, um, it, it's not just a weird in quotes because that would imply my nickname is weird. Okay, true. And, and I don't like it when people just say, hey, weird. Okay, all right. But so Weird Al would be like the, the common nickname and, and it, they're both in quotes because it's not my actual legal name on okay. my driver's license. <laughs> okay. What if it was? Did you ever think about that? Change it to Weird Al Yankovic on the lights? Then, then I'd have to take all the quotes off. Oh, that's true. <laughs> true. Um, so where did that come from? Does that, you gave yourself, I hope you gave yourself that nickname. Well, Yankovic came from my mom and dad. Okay, sure. <laughs> Uh, the, the Weird Al came from uh, my days as a college disc jockey, uh, where I first, you know, everybody on the air had a kind of wacky air name, okay. and, and Weird Al seemed appropriate, because I played, like, my show was like a surrogate Dr. Domeno show. I played all mm-hmm. sorts of comedy and novelty music, and yeah, Weird Al, that seems appropriate. And full disclosure, I think they were calling me Weird Al in the dorms the year before. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it seemed appropriate. Well, there's worse names, too, than, than Weird Al. Like Alfred, that was my original. That's your original. That's your, <laughs> that's your name? name. Yeah, Alfred. And Weird Al seemed more mature than Alfred. Yeah. What's uh, What's your middle name? What's your Matthew. Alfred. Weird Alfred Matthew Yankovic. You know, I had the job on the campus radio station. Then I, I also had a, a graveyard shift on, on the uh, the local AOR station, mm. the FM station, and there was Al Matthews playing <laughs> <laughs> playing mellow music all night long. <laughs> Al Matthews. So you didn't want to get confused with him. No. Okay. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's hear a couple tracks off of uh, your most recent uh, album. What are, we're going to hear uh, Word Crimes from Mandatory Final. number one album, Mandatory Fun. Uh, let me do some apologies to songs we didn't get to play tonight. We didn't get to play Bob or eBay or Germs, Headline News, Achy Breaky Song, Jurassic Park, uh, Lasagna. I mean, what's the fascination with the food? Did we, did we talk about that? I think we went over that, yeah. We did go over that? <laughs> uh, well, look, thank you so much for being here, Al. My this pleasure. is amazing. Thank you. Um, you are uh, sometimes uh, bo- sometimes before these live shows, I will say, "Hey, are you are you fans of Rock Solid or are you fans of Weird Al?" And tonight, I was not going to do that because I can tell <laughs> these are 100% Weird Al Yankovic fans. Uh, I speak for everyone when I say we look forward to this box set and the songs we haven't heard and the acoustic tour, and we wish you nothing but great success. And we're gonna play out with Tacky, and everyone, please, a big sketch fest. Thank you for Weird Al Yankovic. It might be crazy.